This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to part two of the weekend mailbag. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined, as always, by the owner, the operator, the publisher, the lead reporter, the whole shebang for JetsInsider.com, Mr. Chris Nimbley, who, above all else, is a very big deal. And we are going to resume right away with our buddy Will at NotSince69. He says... Gase, since his initial Google eye presser, LOL, yeah, it was pretty funny, he has been very impressive in every other presser interview I've seen him in, even showing a humorous side to him. Do you think this stigma associated with him as a rough-around-the-edges guy is exaggerated? P.S. He looks much better with a cap on. I'll give you that for sure, Will. He does look much better with a cap on. I don't know that he was thought of as this rough-around-the-edges guy. If you talk to people in Miami, the press didn't have a problem with him that way. It's just that when things would get hairy, he would act like Mangini and act like he knew everything, and the reporters didn't really know football, that kind of thing. But he's always been known as a gregarious guy and somebody who's much, much more open than Todd Bowles ever was and certainly much more open than Mike McCagnin is. Again, though, he could be humorous at a press conference. He can be cordial. He can be funny. He can be entertaining. But we got to go back to the Rex Ryan thing. Just win. That's it. That's all that's going to matter. So he can be the nicest guy. He can be the most entertaining guy ever at press conferences. But all that's going to matter is if this team wins and if he can control the locker room and if he learned from his mistakes in Miami. If all that happens, then great. If not, he's going to be the funniest loser in New York. Yeah, look, the the things with him, like he had that one uh, situation instance when he kind of got snapped, uh, snap, uh, snapped and got snippy about uh, you know Ryan Tannehill talking about how he's sick of answering questions about him, and that came off a little like, oh, okay. but for the most part, he it, he wasn't a problem with the media, and the reporters down in Miami will tell you that like. He would step away and talk to them one on one individually, and he was, you know, would give them a lot of information. He wasn't quite as uh, holding stuff to his chest and uh, with holding that information from them. He was much better in the one on one situations, talking to reporters. The question I still have is going to be about how he handles the players. That's because, uh, first off, I could care less how he handles us reporters. I he could he could be awful to me and all of us and it's not going to bother me at all and he can be super friendly and and insightful and give us all types of great material and that's not going to help me uh, uh, inform like how i'm going to judge his coaching that's that's irrelevant but how he interacts with the players how he handles the players how he goes about it and is he going to be shipping you know trying to run guys out of town uh that type of stuff that's where the concern for me is to see how he gets along with the players and also with the rest of the coaching staff and uh, handles all that. Cause again, Greg Williams being on the coach, that's another downside to Greg Williams. He's got a combustible personality. So there there's some danger there. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress and that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. 
Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Matt Diner. He says, should we be excited about this season? I like the vast majority of additions in free agency, but until we find a corner and a center, I'm concerned. I'm not buying that Harrison and Roberts are starters. It's unlikely we pick up either position in round one and tough to find immediate starters in round three. The answer to this for me is, obviously, I can't tell you whether or not to be excited for the season, but I am. And part of it is, we talked about the expectations, Chris. I knew that they were not going to fill all of these spots in free agency and in the draft in one year. It just wasn't going to happen. But I knew that if they added enough key pieces, this team could take a crawl towards contention. So this year, if they do well enough in the draft, they don't have to even have a home run draft, although that would be nice. If they do well enough in the draft... They should be able to at least be in the conversation in December for the playoffs, which is what Adam Gase said the other day. And that's what I've been saying all along. I'm not expecting miracles here because you got to keep in mind exactly where the Jets are at the moment and where they're coming from. And there's no way that you are going to be able to do a jump that huge in one offseason with all the holes. But I am excited because I think this is going to be a very improved team. There are going to be meaningful December games more than likely, barring injuries. And I can't wait to watch guys like Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley play. Yeah, and look, I'm going to give you a, a little tip from the very big deal here. A little life tip here. Life is all about lowering your expectations <laughs> and and raising your enjoyment. Let the the lower your expectations are for stuff, the more you will enjoy things. And obviously, the goal of football teams and what fans want is to win the Super Bowl. Jets fans, obviously, a little more than a lot of fans want that. But sometimes the best things in sports is when you have a team that you don't have high expectations for, especially a young team. And you can just kind of root for them to watch them grow and watch them come together and get better and better. And maybe they play above your expectations. And then it's fun because you're not sitting there dying with every loss. You're not going to do that. And you can get surprised by a win or two. And then this year, again, look, they're going to be playing a last place schedule. They're going to get an easier schedule there. They got the Dolphins twice. The Bills did some good things this offseason, but they're far from, you know, an insurmountable team to beat. Just going to have to worry about the Patriots in the division. There's there's a lot of reasons to be excited. And if for no other reason, year two of Sam Darnold, uh, you know, you get to watch him. You get to watch him now with Le'Veon Bell in the backfield, Jamison Crowder to go with uh you know, Quincy and Robbie, and then year two of Herndon. You get to watch year three of Jamal. There's a lot to be excited about, and it's typically what I will tell you. Just focus on the young guys. 
focus on the new guys here, the Le'Veon Bells, because man, Le'Veon, I don't know, I don't know how many fans really realize how fun it is to watch Le'Veon Bell. I don't know, like. Yes, they all know he was really good. Of course, they've seen him here and there. I don't know if they've really watched him, like really watched him that much. He is a special and unique player, and he's you're going to have a lot of fun watching him and watching what him and Sam can do together. There's a lot to be excited about with this team as long as you're not sitting there pinning your hopes on they need to make the playoffs, they need to make a Super Bowl run here. As the legendary Dennis Leary used to like to say, he called it Irish optimism. In other words, you hope for the worst, so if the best happens, you can be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. <laughs> Moving on to our next question from Matty Trainer, He says, I've read several reports that Jonah Williams could potentially be all pro at center. Would you be okay with the Jets taking him at number three, or strictly would you want him picked only if the Jets traded out of the number three spot? So I'll start with the first part. It's so hard to project how a player who played one position in college is going to play a completely different position in the NFL. That's something that I'd really have to ding it on the tape, and I'd really have to talk to scouts and coaches about. I think it's possible he could be a good center. There's no way that I'm banking on a prediction like that that early, maybe later in the round. So to answer the second part of your question, if they trade down a decent amount, then I would absolutely consider taking him, regardless of whether I'm going to play him at center, guard, or tackle. But at number three, no way, no chance, especially considering who else is going to be on the board at that spot, even if Nick Bosa is drafted number two and Kyler Murray is drafted number one, which is what everybody expects. Yeah, and listen, even let's just say uh, the first two picks go Bosa and Quinnen Williams. Let's say both of them off the board. I'm still not taking uh, Jonah Williams or Bradbury at three. You can get them much later. So if you if that's your goal is you want to get one of those guys, then go ahead and trade down and take whatever you can get at that point. If that's if that's what the Jets, they said, we're going to try to get one of these guys, then go ahead and trade down and just get whatever you can get. But obviously, if you're going to trade down, you want to trade down for more than that. And there are other options, too. It's not like those are the only two center options in this draft. They can trade down with somebody else. Or they could trade down and, you know, still go after an edge rusher or, you know, an a receiver or something or, you know, a Hawkinson in the middle of the first round and then still get a center in the, the third round or, you know, if they trade and get a second round pick somehow. So there's a lot of other options there. Definitely not going to force a pick of a center at three. It just, it, the, this is the thing where you're picking this high. It needs to be a position of value. And I, and I will say that and people will think inside uh, you know, defensive line is in that position of value. But when you can rush the passer like Quinn and Williams from the inside, then that makes it a position of value to me there. Uh, the center, you can find other ways. There's no way I'm taking a center at three. I don't care how good he is. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from our buddy Michael, who calls himself Gaced and Confused. I love making Teddy Bridgewater jokes with him. That goes back all the way to training camp when everybody was complaining that the Jets traded Teddy Bridgewater, and it became a recurring gag that if only the Jets hadn't traded Teddy Bridgewater, they would have gone 16-0 and and gone to a Super Bowl. He says, if the disagreement about edge versus Q versus trade down continues at TOJ, will there be a Royal Rumble to decide the winner? If so, who will win and who will be the one that turns heel? So this is how I look at it. Me, Joe Blewett, and Michael Nania, or as I like to call us, the Jets Twitter Shield, we are united on this one, so nobody's turning on our camp. I don't see anybody turning from the Joe Caparoso gotta pick an edge rusher camp either. But I think we might be able to swing David Aiken because he's somebody that started out in the have to take an edge rusher camp. He's moved over to the might take Quinn and Williams unless Nick Bosa is on the board camp. I think we might be able to swing him into our camp. So David Aiken is the guy that I think might be the one that we can turn. As far as who would win the Royal Rumble, I'm going to go with Joe Blewett because he's a cop, so he knows how to get the law and order going, just like the big boss man. And we all know that the big boss man was a force to be reckoned with in the Royal Rumble. So I think David Aiken most likely to turn and Joe Blewett most likely to win the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say just this is my uh, take on it, how it will go. I'm going to go with pretty much anyone in the Quinn and Williams camp because I think you guys are more motivated and set on this one specific thing. And the edge, the got to find the edge rusher, it's just like we were talking about with the and free agency. People are mad that they didn't get an edge rusher just to get an edge rusher. So to sit here and say they need to take an edge rusher because they need an edge rusher. Well, what if that edge rusher, you don't think that edge rusher is going to be that good? We deal with this with quarterbacks all the time. We're going to hear about it this year. If uh, Kyler Murray's the only one this year that I could be talked into being like excited about, I'm, I'm not taking Dwayne Haskins just because I need a quarterback. So I happen to like Josh Allen. I think he will be good. I don't think he's nearly has as high a ceiling or can be as good as Quinn and Williams can be. So I would go with Q over him. But, uh, you know, if the Jets don't like Josh Allen that much, then you can't force the pick just because he's an edge rusher. It doesn't make sense. That's that's counterintuitive. You've got to get the really good player. Again, the same thing. Instead of signing Preston Smith and Zacharias Smith, you can go and get C.J. Mosley. And, yes, you're there. So they got a really good player instead of getting some average players just at a position of need. Those average players at a position of need don't really help you. So if you if the Jets love Josh Allen, then cool, go ahead and take him. But you can't just take an edge rusher just to take an edge rusher. That doesn't make sense. It's counterintuitive at best. That leads into our next question from Kevin, a.k.a. Spotty Blackman, the legend. He says, with a few what are to be considered surefire picks looking to be available at number three, which one would you consider to be the least favorable choice for the Jets situation? So I would say that if the Jets stay at number three, you're looking at one of three guys more than likely. Now, there's obviously a surprise that could be thrown in, and we don't know what the Jets board looks like. But I would assume that depending on who's available, you're talking about either Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, or Josh Allen. Of those three, I would say that Josh Allen is the least desirable because I think he's the weakest prospect. He's a guy that has an incredibly high ceiling, but he has a lot of work to do, particularly on his fundamentals and his technique. 
I'm not saying that he can't get there. He's a good kid by all accounts and a hard worker. And I think that if nothing else, he's going to be a solid player. But is he going to come anywhere close to reaching that ceiling? I'm not so sure I'd be willing to take that bet. Bosa doesn't have a ceiling anywhere near as high as him, but he's a lot safer and you can pretty much pencil him in for 10 to 12 sacks a year if his health holds up. And everybody knows what I think about Quinton Williams, and I'll get into that a little bit more in another question coming up in a bit. But I think Quinton Williams is the best player in the draft, so I would take him above all the rest of them. But I think that of those three, Allen would be the least desirable choice. Yeah, it depends on how risky you want to get. Because, I again, I've, I've, I've watched a whole bunch of tape on Quinton Williams. I am fully on board with the Quinton Williams number one uh, player in this draft. I'm fully on board there now. The Nick Bosa thing is interesting because, like, I can't, I could see the Jets taking him, and I could see a lot of Jets fans being disappointed in a couple of years in a similar fashion as they are with Leonard Williams. Like, he's he's a good, a really good player, but he's not what we expected uh, taking him that high. I think so many people out there and fans, not just Jets fans, football fans in general, have this idea that uh, Nick Bosa is going to be some like crazy huge stud Von Miller type. Miles Garrett type. He's not that. The thing with Nick Bosa is he's incredibly safe pick. There's the only concern is really his injuries. But it's the thing. The difference between his floor and his ceiling is negligible. It's really just his injury concern. That's the only real difference here. He is what he is. He is basically Joey Bosa. He is got great technique. He's got good power. And but he doesn't have an explosive first step, and he doesn't have uh, long arms. He's going to eat against uh, you know average to bad tackles, and he's going to get swallowed up with against good to great tackles. And so he will still produce, and he will still get numbers against some of the lesser tackles in this league. But he will struggle against the better ones. And the but the safety, how how good we know how. The floor is is good, so good that you can feel so comfortable that the worst that he will get is still going to be really good. It's a safe pick. It's not going to be a complete bust. But I can see in a couple of years Jets fans being like, hey, I, I thought we were getting Von Miller here. Why isn't this guy Von Miller? He was never going to be Von Miller. That That's something that. He's got. I think people gotten a little carried away with his ceiling is not that high. Where Josh Allen definitely has a higher ceiling, but his floor is lower, and it's possible that you could pick him and be completely disappointed that he is an absolute bust. I agree completely, and I'll get into this a little bit more in one of the questions that's going to come up later in the mailbag. But continuing on the edge rusher front, Mark Landman wants to know: Is edge rusher the Jets' most pressing issue? If so, who do they get? If not, what should they do? This really boils down to what happens in the draft for starters, and we'll get into Tank Lawrence in a little bit too because we have questions about him based on what happened with Robert Quinn going to Dallas yesterday. But I think that if they draft an edge rusher at number three, that probably goes a long way towards solving that problem. There could be a possibility, like we said with Tank Lawrence, being the Khalil Mack of 2019, so maybe that could be the thing that happens. Maybe D. Ford shakes loose after next year because the Niners decide they don't want to pay him. Maybe that happens. There are a lot of different areas, but I don't think that the Jets absolutely positively must solve the edge rusher problem right now, this year, this instant. I think that 
it could happen next year, and I wish the Jets fans would be a little more accepting of that fact instead of thinking that they have to solve every single problem right away. But that's my answer. I think that if you're the Jets, maybe you solve it at number three. Maybe you trade down and get somebody else. Maybe you get a Burns or maybe even get somebody like Ja'Kai Polite who's going to fall, may end up in the third round. Maybe you wait and see what happens with the trade market. Maybe you sign somebody next year. There are a bunch of avenues you can go, and I don't think they should be locked into any one path. Yeah, I agree with you. I I am going to shoot the Jets fans a little bit of bail here because this is a little bit of an exception, I feel like, to them because they've wanted an edge rusher for so long. (laughs) And And this is a draft that everyone agrees is pretty uh, has a lot of talent at the top of the draft with edge rushers. So to sit there and just say, oh, don't worry about it. You can get an edge rusher next year. It's kind of like how the quarterback situation has played out for here. The Jets waited forever to finally get it. Last year, they, they got somebody that they can believe in, at least for now. And now they don't have to worry about it. So I get that. I'm going to shoot the fans a little bit. I get that right here. They're just sitting there saying, we've been wanting them forever. This is a chance. There's going to be one available here. Don't tell me to wait until next year for it, and then we don't know where we're going to pick and who's going to be available. So I I do get that. But the most pressing need, uh, edge rush is the most pressing need on defense. The most pressing need on the team is center right now. You need uh, just offensive line help in general, even though, you know, uh, but that's the most pressing thing. Again, it has to be about helping and protecting Sam Darnold. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question comes in from Jimmy at Endgame1776. He wants to know, if Bosa and Williams are off the board, what are your thoughts of going with Greedy Williams at number three instead of taking an edge rusher? I absolutely would not do that, and it's not because Greedy Williams plays corner. It's just that I don't think Greedy Williams is good enough to pick at number three. If I'm sitting at number three and Bosa and Williams are off the board and I'm not trading out, I'm taking Josh Allen because I'm going to sit there and say, well, he has a really high ceiling, and he's a guy that we know has the athletic ability to do this. We know that Greg Williams can work with him. And as long as Greg Williams was on board, that's who I would pick at number three. There are other guys that I would pick ahead of Greeny, for instance. actually like Jawan Taylor as a prospect more than I like him. I also like Brian Burns, the edge rusher from Florida State, more than I like Greedy Williams. So to answer your question, there's really no scenario in which I would take Greedy Williams at number three. If I took him at all, I would have to trade down quite a bit. Yeah, this is the, the similar to the Jonah Williams-Bradbury question we got. Uh, if, if, if I'm locked in and I want to take Greedy Williams, then all right, cool. Even though it's not what I'd be doing, he's definitely not my third highest person there. Uh, but I'm trading down then I'm going to trade down. I'm going to collect whatever picks I can because you don't need to take Greedy Williams at three. You can drop down and get him. I think you could probably drop down in the middle, maybe even twenties from what I'm hearing on where Greedy is going right now. And I like Greedy, but 
today's NFL, I'm not spending a top three uh, pick on a cornerback unless you're telling me he's going to be the next Darrell Revis, and I don't see that with Greedy. Um, so if you if that's what you want to do, if you're going to identify something like that, then trade down, try to see what you can do. But it just it doesn't make sense that you got to go with, uh, you know, a somebody who is a more of an elite talent than I think greedy is. I like him a lot, but I don't think he's that special that you're going to be willing to take him at three. Next question comes in from David Yaffe. He wants to know, what do you think the odds are the Jets pick Josh Allen with the third pick? It really depends on trade offers and who's on the board, to be honest with you. I think if they get a really good offer, they'll move down. It seems like Mike McCagnan's preference is to do that if he gets the right package. If Nick Bose is on the board, I think Nick Bose is the pick because he fits what Mike McCagnan really likes, which is a quote-unquote bust-proof player. Unless they look at his medical charts and see something they don't like, the odds of him being a bust are very, very low. The same way that you knew that Leonard Williams and Jamal Adams were very, very low bust possibilities. Even if you weren't sure that Leonard Williams would be a great player or that Jamal Adams would be a great player, you knew that they weren't going to be busts. I think that's the case with Bosa. So if he's on the board, I think they pick him. If it comes down to Quinn and Williams and Josh Allen, it all really depends on how the Jets' board breaks down. I personally would take Quentin Williams over Josh Allen, but I can't tell you what Mike McCagnan, Greg Williams, and the rest of the staff thinks. It's all going to be a matter of how they evaluate those prospects. But I do think that overall, McCagnan's preference is probably to trade down. I just hope that he's not willing to do it for an inferior offer. Yeah, I, I'm i going to start with the trade down option. I think that like I'd, that's definitely what McCagnan wants to do. Um if he can get an offer that he's he's good with, then I think he is absolutely going to do that. What he has in mind as for that offer, I'm not sure. If, if will a team actually match that, I'm not sure. Uh, then it comes down to who else is available. Because if Nick Bosa is there, I do think that McCagnan would go with Bosa over Josh Allen. I do think right now, and, and again, this is this is guessing. It's one of those educated guesses based on what I know about McCagnan and what I've seen and watched from him. Uh, it's definitely not based on any inside information that I'm hearing about what they want because uh, whatever I'm hearing doesn't mean anything. Smoke season and all that. Uh, but I would think that Bosa and Quinn and Williams are one and two on the the Jets board. That's just how I would think. That's how I, I feel like it would be. Uh, but I would still say I'll give Josh Allen like a 30, 35% chance that he's the pick if they get stuck there. But again, I think he would be behind Bosa and Quinn and Williams. And uh, again, McCagnan really wants to trade down. This one comes in from Bob Sokol. He wants to know, 6, 10, 13, and 15 seem to be possible trade-down scenarios. What do you think would be fair value for the Jets to receive? Also, it seems past few years, teams have exchanged picks. Jets pick has enormous value. I don't want them giving it up for just anything in a trade-down. I'm with you on that, Bob. If they're going to trade down, I want to haul, especially if Bosa or Quinn and Williams are on the board, which it looks like at least one of them is going to be. If Kyler Murray goes number one, I want a haul. Otherwise, I would stay at three. I'm not entirely convinced that that's what Mike McCagnin thinks. I know that McCagnin said the other day at a press conference that it's going to take a really strong offer. I think that might just be playing poker, but we're going to find out. As far as what it would take to trade down, 
man, I don't know. It depends on how far they're going down. If they trade down to six, it's possible that it could be nothing more than a second-round pick. If you're talking about going all the way down to 15, you're probably looking at a next year's first rounder as a starting point. So it really depends on how far they're looking to trade down. Yeah, and, you know, look, I could see with if they traded to six, I'd say it'd probably get like a second and a third or maybe a second and a second next year, um, you know, something along those lines. Um, you know, trading down to 15, they could probably get, uh, especially because that's Washington, and we've talked about this before, Washington makes dumb decisions, impulsive decisions. You could probably get a, a number one next year out of that. Uh, but Again, it's the it's not this going to be the same. You're not going to get the same value as they got as the Colts got from the Jets last year because these quarterbacks aren't as highly sought after. It's that simple. Like I, the, these teams that are going to want to take quarterbacks, the Giants, the Denver, I think they can probably sit comfortably and get the guy they want at the that spot. Uh, you know, so it would be. Really, Washington's the team that I would identify as most likely to give up a really good haul, a haul that the Jets would like. Of course, that would drop you down to the middle of the first round. Uh, but again, if they're going to do that, then that's going to be a haul. You know, could would you do a trade with you know the Raiders to just move back one spot and collect maybe a second pick, maybe you do something like that? But I I do think there's a chance that the Jets could trade down fans are going to be a little disappointed about the return but it's still be a good decision to do it so we'll have to wait and see it's it's tricky to go though this year because the value isn't going to be quite the same because the quarterback's value isn't quite the same this is the overtime podcast network this one comes in from Byron Lindicue. He says, Tremaine Johnson, what's the deal with him? Makes me worry. What is there to give me hope that he can play better under Greg the Hitman Williams? My thought on this is you should be worried because he did poorly last year. But at the same time, you should be optimistic because he played the best football of his career when Greg Williams was his coordinator. So be cautiously optimistic is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, if you want to have hope. That's what you got to hang your hat on is that he played the best in his career with Greg Williams, his defensive coordinator. Greg Williams might know how to get the best out of him, use him the best, use him correctly. But that was a couple of years ago, and he doesn't seem like he's the same player he was a couple of years ago. But you got to think and hope and expect that he will be better than he was last season. Um, you know, he had a couple of decent moments here and there, but overall it was a really disappointing year and to be paying him that much money, he's still going to be on, on, on the uh, salary for another couple of years. So they need to get better out of him. They need to get more out of him. And I think it's possible, but it's not something that I'm going to, you know, I'm not expecting a huge jump from him. Uh, he's not going to just suddenly turn into the shutdown corner, but I definitely do think you can see improvements. We'll just have to see how big of an improvement there is and if it's big enough. This one comes in from John McAnally. He wants to know, how upset would you and the fan base be if the Jets took Jonah Williams or Bradbury at number three? I realize it's a reach, but I have to be honest, I don't think I'd be too upset. I realize better option is a trade down, 
But if they can't get a good trade down, what do you think about taking one of those guys at three? So I'll build on what we said before as far as Jonah Williams at number three. No chance I would take either one of these guys at number three. I know center is a need. And if you're projecting Jonah Williams there, that would be what you're doing. Could also be looking to take him as a tackle or a guard. But I just don't think he's a good enough player regardless to pick at number three. Same thing with Bradbury. I think he's a really good center. There's no way I'm taking him at number three. I said this before. If the Jets are sitting at number three and they do not trade down, they absolutely have to take either Nick Bosa, Quinnen Williams, or Josh Allen. It just doesn't make any sense to me to take anybody other than those three. Their board may be different. Maybe they think that Brian Burns is the guy over Josh Allen. Maybe they think more of Jawan Taylor. Maybe they really do love Jonah Williams and they consider him a three. That's not what I would do, but I will say those two guys to me would be major reaches at number three, and there's no way that I would do it. Yeah, again, I it's not the players that I have the problem with. It's the where they'd be picked. So if you want to identify and get one of those guys, then trade down and go ahead and get it. And now I'm going to give a little bit of a hot take, but then I'm going to dump some cool water into the, the hot take with some context here. But if it's if you're stuck at three and you're pay, taking a pick at three, then Bosa, uh, Quentin Williams, uh, Josh Allen – if, or one of the other edge guys, if it's not going to be one of those guys, then I would be most happy, or I, w- well, I shouldn't say I'd be most happy. I would kill the, the selection least if it was DK Metcalf. And I know that's going to get uh, a lot of people going to roll their eyes. It's not, I'm not saying I would do it. Again, if I would wanted DK Metcalf, I would trade back. But that's somebody. If it's not one of these positions we're talking about, again, I'm. I want to help Sam Darnold, and I think he can and will help Sam Darnold. And I know that people will sit there and talk about his three cone and this and that. But you don't need somebody who can run that uh, has that type of agility when you can do everything else he can do. You can have him just run the four or five routes that he runs, and he will be good enough. He would be a huge help to Sam Darnold. I spent a lot of t- uh, time watching tape on him this week, and I am definitely a believer in him now. And now again, I would not take him at three. I would definitely try to trade down if in that situation. But of all the non-Quinnen Williams, Joey Bosa, Josh Allen, Ed Rusher guys, the one that I would kill the least would be DK Metcalf. I've come around on DK Metcalf a little bit. There's no way I'd pick him at three, and his injury history worries me a lot. But I'm a little more confident about him now than I was before rewatching his tape. And like you said, coming to the realization that for as much as we want to talk about route running and agility, if he can just do a handful of routes and do them really well and dominate at them, he can have a nice career. But again, I worry a lot about the medical, and there is no yep. way I would pick him at number three. But I get where yeah. you're coming from. Yeah, again, I'm not I'm not saying I would do that. I'm saying he's the one that I would criticize the least amount. And again, you can just have him run go routes, post routes, slants, and curls. Like, that's it. That's really all you need from him. Like, and he's, he, I, if he stays healthy, I think he will be dominant at those couple of routes. And then you can run some screens. I don't think they used him correctly at Ole Miss. They didn't have the best uh, quarterback who really held him back. So I think he's going to be a lot better than a lot of people think. And I, I would criticize that the least of all, you know, the other guys that I said, uh, excluding them. 
This one comes in from Jimmy at Endgame1776 who snuck in another question, so I'm yeah. going to give it to him because it's pretty funny. He says, and this is towards you, Chris, do you have a nasal medical condition? I'm not trolling or being a wise guy, just wondering because you always sound really congested. My theory on that, Chris, is that it's just a byproduct of being a very big deal. You know, that's I like that. That's good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I could. I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't think it's nasal. It's more, I do, I do have allergies sometimes that are bad, but, uh, I don't think I've really had any issues why I've been talking to you here. I think it's more in the back of my throat than it is. All I know is I hate my voice. I've always hated my voice and I hate the way it sounds. So I don't think I have any type of nasal condition uh, like that. I also haven't really looked into it. I just think that's just the way my voice sounds. And uh, especially after I talk long and more, I can feel it like in my the back of my throat. But hey, maybe I do. Who knows? This one comes in from our buddy Jets Joe seventy three, who by the way said that if the Jets draft Quinn and Williams, he's getting us Jets jerseys with Quinn and Williams name on the back. I'm all for that. So if that happens, Joe, I'm holding you to it. And by the way, he also offered to hire me at the bank he works at in Montana. May need to take you up on that one of these days. Never worked at a bank, but I feel like I could do a good job at a bank. He wants to know, what WrestleMania match are you most looking forward to this year? Man, I don't really love the card, to be honest. I guess Batista and Triple H because they tend to work well together. But even that... That's well past its expiration date. I'm not super excited about the show this year. If you gave me truth serum and made me pick one, I guess it would be Batista and Triple H, but there's not much on this card that I'm really looking forward to that much. Uh, do, do they still do Royal Rumbles? I don't know anything about wrestling. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I don't know. I, I, Triple H is still around? I, I know that name. I never watched him, but I know that name. I didn't know still around. Um, yeah, the, the most I can have the offer is I almost moved to Montana was when I was in seventh grade. So that's, that's the best answer I can really give to this question. Any type of re- relate there. Chris is too busy being a very big deal to worry about what's happening with WrestleMania. WrestleMania is every day of his life. Every day of his life is a special event. Next question yeah. comes in from Michael Palace. He wants to know if Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa are available. Which one would you take? So I assume that in this scenario, either Josh Allen goes second or some team trades up to number two and grabs Dwayne Haskins at quarterback. If both of those guys are on the board, I am taking Quinn and Williams and I'm not thinking twice about it. Originally, I was in the spot where I thought I would take Bosa above Williams just based on positional need. But the more I've dug into the tape on both, the more I've come to love Quinn and Williams and the more I've come to cool a little bit on Nick Bosa. I just think Quinn and Williams can do everything. He can line up anywhere in the defensive line. Reminds me a little bit of Joe Klecko that way, where he could be productive anywhere. He can move him around. I think he's a guy that can get sacks. He can stuff the run. He's super instinctive. He always knows where the ball is going incredible football iq hard worker even though people say he's not a great athlete he's a damn good athlete for 300 plus pounds running a 487 in the 40 he's loved by his coaches only 21 years old sky's the limit he's one of those rare players where the floor is super high and the ceiling is super high to me, he's somebody that, at the absolute worst, he's going to be a Fletcher Cox. At the absolute best, he could be Aaron Donald. There's no way I would pass on him, and I wouldn't trade out of that spot unless I got a really good haul. 
I don't know what Mike McCagnin's thinking. I think there's a good chance that it would be Bosa that he would have ahead of Williams just because of what I said before about how safe Bosa is. Of course, this would depend on the medical. But me personally, if my choice is Quinn and Williams or Nick Bosa, I'm picking Quinn and Williams. And I told this to you, Chris, off the air, and I'm 100% confident in this. If Bill Belichick had the number one pick in this draft, there's zero doubt in my mind that he would pick Quinn and Williams. Yeah, zero doubt. I mean, he is the perfect Belichick uh, player. He you play him. We, we talk about this all the time with players. Like, is he a better fit in a four three or a three four? And then like people will say, oh, he can play both. But normally, when they say that, they're they're saying he's much better in one. But yeah, he could be okay in this one with Quinn and Williams. He will be equally great in a three-four or a four-three as a three-technique, five-technique, whatever. Line him up anywhere, and he will be equally great. He can move all over the place. The thing is, Quinn and Williams and Nick Bosa both have pretty equal floors, I'd say. Uh, obviously, different positions, but equal floors. And Quinn and Williams got the much higher ceiling. Nick Bosa, again, I think he's going to be a really good player. You know exactly what you're going to get out of him. There's not a lot of, uh, you know, intrigue, gambling, or rolling of the dice with him. But Nick Bosa is going to be a really good, solid, uh, you know, edge guy in the NFL. Quinnen Williams has the potential and ability to be special. I don't see special out of Nick Bosa. I see it out of Quinnen Williams. So if I'm choosing between those guys, I'm going to choose the special guy every single time. And you said it before, and I'll build on that. I think the deal with Nick Bosa is he's a lot like Joey. He wins with his technique and his power, but the problem is he doesn't have long arms and he doesn't have that burst. So when he goes up against the top tackles in the league, guys like Lane Johnson, he's going to get shut down. We saw it against Oklahoma. If you watch him against guys that are mediocre to bad, he's going to win most of the time there with his power and his technique. But I just don't see him being able to beat the best guys, and that's going to limit what he can be in the NFL. With Quinnen Williams, I think he's got all pro potential. I think he's the kind of guy that could come into the league and be a top five player at his position immediately. I think Nick Bosa has the potential to be a pro bowler for a long time, or at least be in the pro bowl mix, somebody that's double-digit sacks for a long time, and that's nothing to sneeze at, and you'd be happy to have it. Don't get me wrong, I'm not going to be upset if the Jets get Nick Bosa. I just think that Quinnen Williams is the far superior prospect, and I would take him 11 times out of 10 over Nick Bosa. Next question comes in from our buddy Sean Stalker. He says, Scott and very big deal Chris Nimbley, with trading down a possibility, is there any chance in the scouting process that the people in place like Hemmerdinger or the influence of people like Gason Williams would increase your confidence that Matt can improve his hit rate when he doesn't have a no-brainer fall to him. There's really no way to know that for sure. We don't know exactly who Heimerdinger was making the call on or making the recommendation on, so we don't know there. As far as Gase, very mixed results in Miami, bit of a messy roster, so I don't know how much I trust him. And Greg Williams, 
you trust him so far as you think that he could figure out what to do with specific players or he might have preferences. But as far as identifying who's a better player over the other, eh, I don't know. We saw this a lot with Rex Ryan. Just because you're a great defensive mind doesn't necessarily mean that you're somebody that knows for sure who to pick in the draft. That's really where I come at it from, Chris. There's no better way to say it. Just a lot of questions. I don't know that it necessarily increases or decreases my confidence in McCagnan. Yeah, it it doesn't change at all for me. Uh, I... I agree that he is going to lean on them because that's it's been proven. We know that that's what he does. He likes to involve his coaches in this decision-making process and lean on them too. But there's nothing about any about Greg Williams or Adam Gase that leads me to say, hey, they're, they're great at selecting players or they're terrible at selecting players. And I know, you know, there's running joke. People want to give Heimendinger all the credit for all the, the good picks that the Jets made last year and not give him credit for the bad, uh, uh, you know, put all the bad credit on McCann. Uh But I just, this, you should have the same concerns that you've always had. I mean, it's that simple. McCagnan, he's still, regardless of who contributed to making decision, who was the one pushing or driving each decision, McCagnan was the one with final say on it. And he hasn't been that great. He hasn't been good enough so far. He needs to get better. And whether that's for using the other guy's help, not using the other guy's help, the all that matters is his results. He needs to improve and he needs to get better at the draft. Next question comes in from my buddy CJ D. Simone, host of the Jets Factor podcast. He says, Scotty and Chris, two questions for you. What do you see the Jets doing with the third pick, in your opinion? If they stay at three, who would you take? So as far as what they would do at three, it really depends, again, on if they get a good offer. If they stay at three, it's going to depend on who's on the board. We'll run through those scenarios what I would do versus what the Jets will do. I think if Nick Bosa is available, the Jets are going to pick Nick Bosa. I think if he's not, and let's say it goes Murray and then Bosa, you're looking at a situation where it just depends on who they have rated higher on their board between Allen and Quinn and Williams, but I'd be surprised if it's anybody other than those two. As far as what I would do, if Quinn and Williams is on the board at three, I'm taking him unless I get a really big haul to trade back. If he is not, and the choice is between Bosa and Allen, I would take Bosa. If both Bosa and Williams are off the board, I would take Allen. And that's really what it breaks down to from my perspective. Yeah, if, again, I think that they're going to trade down is the most likely thing. I do think that's what McCagn... I know that's what McCagnum wants to do. I just don't know what you know it'll take for him to be willing to trade down. Um but I think that that's what he's going to be looking for. And this, listen, if selfishly, I don't want them to trade down because that's going to be more work for me, having to wait around longer for it to happen. The third pick is so nice and simple for us reporters. We just wait around for those first two picks to go, and then third pick, and then boom, I'm home nice and early. But what would be best for the Jets, in my opinion, is to trade down depending on what they get. Uh, but if they stay there, it's going to be one of the three. If they stay at three, it's going to be either Quinn and Williams, uh, Nick Bosa, or uh, Josh Allen. Uh, but I would think it would pro- probably be Bosa uh, or Quinn and Williams because, I again, unless both of those guys are gone, then I would think it would be Josh Allen. But I definitely think that McCagnin, it 
those two guys are much more McCagnan picks than Josh Allen is. And that's going to wrap up part number two of our weekend mailbag. Lots of great questions to come tomorrow, so make sure you're listening for that as well. In the meantime, go ahead and follow Chris on Twitter at CNimbly. Go to JetsInsider.com to read all of his work. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.